Galatians chapter 5, look at verse number 13. Verse number 13, this chapter talks about Christian liberty, but it talks about love fulfilling the law as well. And uh, the Apostle Paul is trying to teach the Galatians here something. So let's look, look here at verse 13. I want you to listen to these, to these words in this scripture. These are some strong words, some strong teaching. But it's some very, very good teaching if, you, if we will apply that to our heart. Verse 13 says, For you, brethren, have been called to liberty. Only do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh. And we'll get into that in a little bit, but what Paul is saying here, just because you're free, just because you have liberty, don't mean you can go out and do whatever you want to. You understand what I'm saying? And I'm, I'm, I'm talking from a Christian standpoint. When God delivered you and the Lord set you free and he'd taken, he's taken your sin from off your shoulders and out of your life, we understand the fact, I think we all understand this, that we will... We mess up from time to time. We fall into temptation from time to time. And God gives us access to the Father that we can go back and cry, Abba, Father, and and we can get forgiveness. But it does not give us a license to go sin and do whatever we want to because of the love fulfilling the law. There is still a thing called the judgment of God that we will still stand before God one day and give an account. Amen? We'll give an account. And so don't, don't, don't use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For all the laws fulfilled in one word, even in this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, here's a, here's a, here's a tough scripture right here then beware lest you be consumed by one another. And if we bite and devour one another, this is not in the New King James, but let me go ahead and just add it right here if this is okay. I'm not trying to add anything to the Scripture, so don't go out there and say I'm trying to do that. I'm just trying to help us a little bit. I can, I can let you know and encourage you for this fact. If we bite and devour one another, we will consume one another. That's, that's exactly what will happen. Verse 16 says, I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. But if you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, Hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, rivalries, and the like of which I tell you beforehand, just as I told you in times past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, and faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. And those who are Christ have uh, crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. And let us not become conceited, provoking one another or envying one another. Now let me ask you a question here, and some of you can, you can call this out if you'd like to. What is, what, is, what is your favorite fruit? Is it, I don't know, is it peaches? Anybody likes, is peaches some of your favorite fruit? Is bananas your favorite fruit? Is 
Mangoes, what are some of your favorite fruits? Strawberries? Grapes? Peaches is yours? Okay. Now, and we all know this, even though this is our favorite fruit, and even though fruit shows up on shelves, or just because it shows up on shelves in stores does not always mean it's fresh, right? It does not always mean that it's in season, right? does not always mean that it's the appropriate time to eat strawberries or peaches at, or watermelon when it's, when it's ripe or, or at harvest. But according to the scripture, there is always a fruit, one fruit that is always in season. doesn't matter if it's summer, winter, fall, spring, it doesn't matter. There's one fruit that is always in season, and it's not a fruit that you eat, but it's one that everybody ought to enjoy, and that is the fruit of the Spirit. Whatever season that we find ourselves in, the fruit of the Spirit ought to be always something fresh that every one of us could contend with and digest and dive into. The Bible talks about the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace and patience and kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And so over these next few weeks, I want to take a close look here at some of these fruits. And uh, we know that, uh, that, that this, this, this spirit fruit characteristic, if you will, of love that we're talking about. Because God has sent, his, sent the Spirit of God to produce in us a love if we will allow him to work in our life. If, 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 if the Lord is working in our life and growing in us and showing us what real love is all about, we know the Lord showed us what real love is all about because the Bible says, Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. And we know that the Lord paid the ultimate price, the ultimate example to lay his life down so that you and I could have life and have it, what? More abundantly. And he'd done that, and he took sin upon his self. He took all of our junk. He took all of our stuff so that we didn't have to go to the cross. We didn't have to lay down our life, but we could enjoy life forevermore. But just because he'd done that, and just because, Brother Adam, that he showed us the best kind of love possible, and, and just because that he tries to grow in us each and every day, and, and just because that he tries to mature us each and every day, and just because that he speaks to us in his word to love and to love and to love, and we know what 1 Corinthians chapter 13, where it's the love chapter, and it talks about all these things, and we may get into some of that as we go through this series, it still does not give us a license to go and commit sin in our hearts. Do do y'all agree with that? Is everybody in agreement with that? Now, we know that sin does occur, right? We know that there's times we lose our anger. You've heard my little stories about these these, uh, automobiles that does things, you know, when you're on the road. Just happened this this week. Sister Chris, I I went to the Southern Bancorp. I pulled up to the drive-thru in Southern Bancorp right down here. And I'm getting through, and I'm pulling out, pulling out straight. Y'all, everybody knows where that store, where the, where the bank is. I'm pulling out straight. There was a guy that was coming this direction. Actually, he's coming this direction. Coming this direction. I'm pulled out straight, and he pulls right in front of me in that first turning lane. You know, usually, if you're going to turn left, you go to that last one, so you go around to the drive-through. He pulls right in front of me, and I slam on brakes. And he looks at me. And he says, "Tells me to get out of the way." And I'm thinking, "Look here, buddy." This was my lane. I just got out of the drive-thru. Don't mess with me today. 
Now, I, I didn't say that audibly. It just went real quick in my mind. But every one of us has had opportunities just like that. You know, we find ourselves losing our temper. We find ourselves saying things, possibly, that we don't mean to say. And, and all, you know, all this and that and other. So, and, and we know when we say that, it convicts our hearts. Oh, God, please forgive me. I didn't mean to do that. Have you ever been there? We know that. And God understands that. And, we, and we're able to ask forgiveness. And, but just because he gives us this fruit of the Spirit called love, it still does not give us an access to sin and do whatever we want to because of this scripture here. It says even though that we're free and we have liberty, don't use the liberty to do whatever. Right? So we know that from scripture that we are free from the demands of the law. Doesn't mean we're supposed to, to ignore the commands of God, but we're free from the demands of the law. And Paul talked about this in, in Galatians chapter 5, verse 13. He says, he said, look, you were called to be free, but just don't use your liberty and don't use your freedom to indulge in that sinful nature that you were born with. Maybe you can understand it a little bit like this. I don't, I don't know of any underage children, and if you do, you can, you can let me know after service. I don't know of any underage children in our society who are required, now there may be some, but I don't know of any, who are required by their parents when they're little, underage children, who are required by their parents to pay rent for their bedroom. As you, any mom and dad here ever charged their kid rent at 8 or 9, 10 years old? You may have required some chores, you know, you would like to, <laughs> but we never, we never charge them rent, nor they charge for the meals that they eat at home. But parents, most of the time, provide these things at no cost to their children, and they do it out of love. They do it out of love. These children are free from the burden of those expenses. They're free from the burden of the food they purchase. They're free from the burden of the rent, of the rooms, and all of these things. But does that mean that these children then are free to disrespect their parents? Absolutely not. This is not in my lesson, but let me stop here long enough. Listen to me, Mom and Dad. If you allow your child to disrespect you, you're going to be in trouble down the road at 16, 17, 18 years old. I promise you. It won't happen. And you, you cannot wait till it's 15, 14. I, you can go back further than that, but you can't wait till they're a teenager to, 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 to begin training. That has to start when they're very, very little. Very little. I'm going to tell you, you may love your child, and I hope you do, and I, and I loved my children when they were that age, and I loved my granddaughter when she was that age, but nobody had to tell her when to do wrong. She learned it all by herself. It's amazing, isn't it? It's amazing. Nobody has to teach those things. They just do it by themselves. They do wrong. And they'll give you those little looks like, I dare you to say something kind of thing. You know what I'm talking about. We've all raised those kids. They, they, we, we've all been there. But that doesn't mean that they're free to disrespect or to trash their bedrooms or are free to dump their, their dinner plates in the floor just for the fun of it or all those kind of things. You know, they, 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 you know that, 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 that's not appreciation for the love of their parents. So when you look at that, and likewise, although we, we mess up on God sometime, God is not like a ruler who looks down on us and angry just because we messed up. Now, this is, this is very easy said, but I want to tell you, there's some folks that has a hang-up on that right there. Because I've met people, and I know people, that they honestly, deep down in their heart, feel like, if they mess up, God can't forgive them. 
I've met people and talked to people and said, Pastor, God cannot forgive me unless I quit this first or if I stop this first. You know, it's almost like everything that they've done in the past that God is holding against them. And even though God may not like what they've done in the past, God's not holding that against them if they'll just turn their heart over to the Lord. And, and you may disagree with me, but this is what I've told folks before. Look, you ain't got to quit nothing to give your heart to the Lord. Pastor, what if they're a drug addict? You don't have to quit nothing to give your heart to the Lord. But this is what happens. When you genuinely give your heart to the Lord, he'll change those things. He'll, he'll, he'll take that desire. He'll change those things out of your life. And you don't want to do that anymore. You won't want to be involved in those things anymore. You'll want to surrender your heart to the Lord. And, and so, so God is not like a, a ruler that looks down upon us in anger just because we may mess up on these commands. But we also know that there's a part of us, that sinful nature, that doesn't care one thing about salvation. That sinful nature just doesn't care one thing about salvation. It just wants to live for the here and for the now. It just, wants to, it just wants to do what it wants to do. And Paul gave examples concerning the sinful nature of, of sexual immorality and impurity and debauchery and idolatry and witchcraft and on and on we could go. <laughs> and Paul says, I warn you as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But how many would agree with me it's, it, it's hard not to fall sometimes if we're not careful into these things. If, we, if we're not sold out to the Lord. This is one thing that I've said pretty much all my life, but, but here lately, I'm thinking it more and I'm saying it more. You, not only you, let me just say everybody. Everybody needs to stay connected to the church. Is that okay? You need to stay connected to the church. You don't need to get outside the umbrella of the church. Well, Pastor, what's the church going to do for me? They can keep you connected. They'll keep preaching to you. They'll keep singing to you. You can get brothers and sisters that'll wrap their arms around you and love on you a little bit. You're not going to get out there on your own somewhere and feel like you're isolated from the world. You're not going to allow the enemy to speak those things into your ear and nobody else is speaking nothing into your ear and you finally listen to the enemy. You need the Lord to speak things into your ear. Amen. And if you're not connected with, with the church or with somebody that's speaking positive things in your ear, I'm going to tell you what's going to happen. By and by, so it may take some a week or it may take some a month, but by and by, you're going to lose out with God simply because you will not stay connected to the house of God and to the Lord. Amen. That's good preaching right there. You know why? Because our default setting is to do what's right in our own eyes. That's what the scripture says, right? Our default setting is to do whatever we think is right at that time. And many times we don't even back it up with what the Lord says. We justify getting angry. Well, they're the ones that, that run out in front of me. That's why I took a ball bat and beat their glass out. We justify it, and we think everything is okay. We justify the fact of, 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 of sin because everything is okay because God is a God of love. We justify those things, and that's not what the Scripture says. But Paul wanted the Galatian Christians to understand, and he wants you and I to know, that we are no longer slaves to the sinful nature that we were born with. Hallelujah, praise the Lord. 
We're no longer slaves to that nature. Because the Bible said we've been freed, and now we live by the Holy Spirit. Paul put it like this in verse 24. Those who belong to Jesus have crucified the flesh with the passions and with its desires. And since we live by the Spirit, we need to keep in step with the Spirit of God. When I was a little boy, and Dad would take me hunting, and if there was snow on the ground or whenever, as a little boy, I remember vividly, Brother Larry, always walking behind Daddy in the woods especially. Daddy would always say, don't walk beside of me, don't walk in front of me in case a deer come out. I don't want to swing my gun around and shoot you. And he might would have done it, I don't know. But we all walked, I walked behind him. But this is what I found myself wanting to do when I walked behind him. Every step that he took, I wanted to put my foot in his track. Anybody else ever done that? Now, that didn't mean nothing to me then. I was just playing. But as I got older, I understood the significance from a spiritual standpoint. If I would just be connected to the church and be connected to God, everywhere God goes, I want to put my foot in his track. I want to follow. If he's working here, I want to be involved with that. If he's serving here, I want to be involved with that. And I'm staying connected to the body of Christ and my fruit, that love that is growing in me simply because I'm staying connected to the church. Let me just go ahead and prophesy something to you. If you don't stay connected to the church, your love will not grow. You may still love bananas, but there'd be a lot of other things you ain't going to love anymore. Amen, Pastor. That's good. And it's right. And so we've got to stay connected to these things. And so if we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit of God. If you go back and you look in Scripture, when a criminal was crucified in Paul's day, it was, their, their, their idea about that was it, was it was just one less bad guy to worry about. We just, we just done away with him. In the same way, through baptism and faith in Christ, our sinful nature has been crucified. It, it, it should no longer control us, even though we mess up. Our sinful nature doesn't control. My sinful nature doesn't wake me up, Brother Adam, of the morning and say, this is what you're going to do today. Mm-mm. I ain't going to listen to the sinful nature when it tells me those things. Why? Because I've got to crucify the flesh. Now, it might wake me up, and I may have thoughts on my mind, but I have to, I have, I've got to crucify the flesh. I said, devil, get behind me, Satan. Right? Because the flesh has been crucified. It's been crucified. It should no longer control us. Just as a, just as a passerby shouldn't have to fear the threats of a criminal who is, who is hanging on the cross or think he has to obey that criminal's commands, neither do you and I have to obey the commands of our sinful nature. Now, let me, let me bust your bubble just a little bit. Don't use the excuse that the devil made me do it. <laughs> because if, if you honestly believe that the devil made you do it, you ain't necessarily crucified that whole flesh. You may give him just a little bit of it, but you need, you need to give the Lord everything. Can I just tell you, if you didn't know this already, that, that the God that you serve, is a, the Bible says he's a jealous God. He's a jealous God. He don't want to share you with nobody. Hallelujah. He don't want to share you especially with the enemy. He's a jealous God. Why? Because he loves you that much. He cares for you that much. And Paul was trying to get these Galatians to understand you're free. You have liberty. You're not controlled anymore by the law. But 
Just because that is, don't allow that freedom to cause you to think that you're justified in everything that you do. There is a judgment. There is a judgment. So we want to look at love, love. There's an author who once interviewed children about love, and this is what, this is what was said. And he asked these kids, how do you get somebody to fall in love with you? One little girl said, well, you've got to shake your hips and hope for the best. This little boy was asked about, about love, how do you get somebody to fall in love, and he was asked if, if he knew any love songs. He said, yeah, I think one goes something like this. I'm in love with you most of the time, but don't bother me when I'm with my friends. Now, we could go on and on with those little funny and cute little statements concerning love, but in their, in their own mindset, you know, they, that's, that's what they look at it. And we can laugh and we can, you know, have fun enjoying those responses. But, but, the, but the sad truth about it is this. There's many folks that you work with and we live around day by day that really don't know what love is. They, they have a misconception of what love is. A misconception. Y'all know what I'm talking about here, what I'm, what I'm fixing to say. We live in a day, we live in a culture where love doesn't mean anything anymore. It doesn't. It doesn't mean nothing. We live in a day, we live in a culture, Karen and I, we're married. But if I wake up one morning and decide I don't love her anymore, then I'm done. Period. That's not what love is, is it? We live in a day, we live in a culture where Karen wakes up one morning and says, I don't like him no more, and I really don't love him. So we're done, and I'm leaving. That's not, that's not the unconditional love that what the Scripture talks to us about. Karen will be the very first one to tell you if you ask her, does Danny Rigney have any faults and failures? Now, I'm not looking at her right now because I can promise you she's shaking your head just like you are, Mavis. Quit shaking your head. You're supposed to be my friend. <laughs> but she will tell you, yes, he does. And if we're honest with ourselves, every one of us in here, if we ask our spouse, every one of us has faults and we have failures that rub our, our neighbor and our spouse the wrong way at times. We all have those weird little things that we do that really just aggravates folks. We, you, you may think you don't, but I promise you, you do. There's always, though, that little bitty thing that maybe you don't talk about and maybe nobody else talks about, but it's that little bitty thing you do too, Chris, so don't look there with that innocent look. <laughs> Michael's giving me, he'd give me one of these, but not an amen. <laughs> we all have that. But there's a lot of folks, seriously, that really doesn't know what love is. I was telling Brother Keith this afternoon, I, I, we got, I was talking about something, and I said there was this couple way back, you know, months and months, and year, actually years ago now, there's a very young couple that was wanting to get married, and they come and talk to me. They didn't, they didn't even belong to this church. They come and talk to me, wanted me to marry them, and I told them what my, my, my deal is, that I like to meet with them at least three to four times before I'll marry them. That's, that's, my, that's my rule of thumb. I won't marry you next week. I won't marry you, you know, whatever. I'm going to have a time to meet with you and do married, marital counseling. But they come in, and uh, the little girl, she come in, and she was so excited that this guy had asked her uh, to marry him. 
her. And she was talking to me about what she wanted in the marriage and all these kind of things. And this guy, and you could tell his body language. He just, he didn't even care if he was there or not, to be honest with you. And I was watching him. And I was looking at his facial expressions, and I was watching his body language. And it was like he didn't, have a, he didn't care what she was saying. He didn't care what I was saying. He just didn't care one, one bit. And did not, to me, didn't even act like he loved this girl. He was just there along for the ride. So I talked to him. I shared with him what I normally share with, in marriage counseling, and they come back a second time. I talked to him. He was the same way. Come back a third time, he was the same way. And I stopped right in the middle of the marriage council. I said, let me ask you something. I said, do you love this girl? Oh, yeah. That was pretty much his response. Oh, yeah, I love her. I said, what do you love about her? And he, 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 went, to, he went to calling off superficial, what I would call just superficial things. Now, help me, Lord, here. Don't get something wrong and, and, uh, and mess up right here. Many of us, and there's nothing wrong with this, Nothing wrong whatsoever. When we, when we started dating and we started uh, enjoying the person that we're, that we're uh, bonded with or married to now, we, looks played a big part of that. Can I, get a, can I get a witness? Some of you have been married for some time now. <clears throat> looks may not play a big part in that anymore. I had hair, Chris, when I was dating Karen. Long hair. Pretty hair. I have no hair now, as you can tell. But here's the thing. Karen still loves me. She still loves me. When Karen and I got together, I've I've said this before, so this is not nothing new. I I had a six-pack right here. Not a six-pack of beer, right here. Six-pack. I now have a keg. But Chuck, Karen, loves my keg. I don't have to ask her. She loves me. She loves me. She loves me. I could go on and on, and I could make you laugh about some things just with me and Karen. But you were the same way. I heard Carol several weeks ago talk about Keith, and Keith talk about Carol, and how this little blonde-haired little fellow here that she was so hot for, you want to listen to their story, it's, it, it just make you go, good Lord. <laughs> but I promise you, she still loves him. He may not have the golden locks right now. He may not even have the six-pack he had like me way back then. <laughs> but, but she still, and, and you're the same way. You're the same way. You're the same way. My point is, there. there some things that, was, that attracted us at an early age, it doesn't matter anymore. It doesn't matter anymore. Those things are not important. They're important, but they're not as important as we thought they were at the beginning. And so people sometimes, they, they fall in love. And this guy, was, he, was, he was giving me all these superficial things. And I asked some more questions to this guy, and I didn't care nothing about his answers that he gave. And I felt sorry, to be honest with you, for this little girl that was sitting in my office. Because the more he talked, the more she lost her smile. Just be honest with you. And finally, somewhere along the middle of that conversation, Brian, I just looked at him and I said, tell you what, I said, I'm not going to marry you. I said, I'm not your guy. I said, number one, you don't love her like you need to, like she loves you. But I'm going to tell you, her answers was deep. But his was nothing. 
I said, you don't love her like she loves you. So you need to go back and understand really what love is all about. Now, they got mad at me. She did too because I wouldn't marry him. But the, but the truth about it is if I'd have married them, there would have been another statistic that just a few months down the road they would have been split up. That's exactly what would have happened. And we live in a culture today that, that love does not mean nothing to us anymore. Now, I understand we're talking about a fruit of the Spirit allowing love to grow in us, but I, w- I want to hit on all these sides here. Love doesn't mean anything to us. Love is more than just an emotion. Love is more than just a feeling. Listen to me. Love is more than just a feeling. Puppy love is, will not see you through. Y'all understand what I'm fixing to say. Puppy love will not see you through the dog days of marriage. There's some days in marriage that's hard. There's some days in marriage that's tough. And puppy love ain't going to see you through that. It won't. It will not see you through that. John Maxwell said, love is an action. It's an action word. The Bible says that we are to love our neighbors as ourselves. Let me ask you something. Do you get, do you get warm feelings when you think about yourself? <laughs> Let me ask you another question. Have you ever had a crush on yourself? There's some folks that has. You ever had a crush on yourself? Probably not. Most of us, we, we don't. Instead, when we, when we think about ourselves, we probably think about all the things typically that we could do better, that we'd wish that we would do better. Like how we would be a better parent or a better grandparent or, or, or be a more obedient child, things like that. There, there's things that you don't like about yourself. But, but does that keep you from taking care of yourself or not taking care of yourself? No. Because every one of us take care of ourselves, right? We take care of ourselves. We get up in the morning, we have our routine, we go through taking care of ourselves. We, 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 we find time to eat, we find time to sleep, we find time to relax. All of those things, we're taking care of ourselves. Paul wants us to understand and know that this kind of love is to be aimed not just at ourselves, because we're going to love us, we will. We'll love us despite our faults and failures. In reality, we will, because we're going to take care of ourselves. But Paul wants us to understand that this kind of love is to be aimed not only at just ourselves, but also on the people around us. Do you understand that people, people aggravate you more than you aggravate you? Have you ever noticed that? People will aggravate you more than you will aggravate you. You will, you will say something about a person, their characteristic or, or, or whatever, you know, something that they do or those idiosyncrasies that they're involved in. You may have the same thing, but it doesn't bother you as much as it bothers you about them. It's easier always to blame somebody else about it. And look at the Bible. The Bible says that we are to love our neighbor. That's anybody and everybody around us, not just those people who are nice to us. That's easy to do. Not just those people who are nice to us. We're to love everyone regardless of their age, their skin color, their economic status. The Bible says we are to love them. We are to love our waiter and waitresses. Even though they mess up our order and aggravate us. We've got to remind them 15 dozen times, but we're still supposed to love them, right? We may get aggravated with them, but we're still supposed to, we're still supposed to love them. And we act in their best interest, even if they don't do the same for us the Bible talks about. 
we'll want to do this because that's exactly the kind of love that God talks to us about concerning the fruit of the Spirit. When you look at Romans chapter 5, verse 8, and, and, and Paul reminds us that God showed his love to us by sending Christ to die for us while, the Bible says, we were still sinners. He sent him to die for us still while we were sinners. Not after we've cleaned up, not after we got our act together, but while we were still sinners. So that makes love a choice. Everybody say choice. Makes love a choice. I don't love you because you're nice to me. I don't love Karen because she cooks me supper at night. I don't love Karen because she washes my clothes. I don't love Karen because she does nice things. I love Karen because of who she is and what she means to me as an individual and as a person. And even though she may not make my bed or wash my clothes or cook my supper or any of those things, my love for her, because we're married in that sense, still should be the same, right? That does not, though, Karen, give you a freedom not to do those things. Can I get a witness? Amen. Hallelujah. Good point right there. <laughs> but we can help. We know we got us guys. We can help. And the women says, "Amen." And it's and it's okay for us guys to help. Amen. <laughs> and so you don't have to have a nice feeling about somebody to love them. It, 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 think about this. It wasn't because we were attractive to God that He sent His Son to die for us. You ever thought about that? It wasn't because you were so good looking and attractive to God that he sent his son. That's, that's not why he loves you, because you were, you were his creation. He created you. He loves you just the way you are, just the way you are. He loves you. He loves you. And, uh, and he, he calls us to love as well. But if we're not careful, love can be dangerous, because here's, here's how it can be dangerous. And we probably have all have been to this place, and I'm, and I'm hurrying right here. When we, open up, when we open up our hearts to others and we open up our life to do things for them, we risk being disappointed at times. We do. Because a lot of times you give your love, you may not get that love back. It's not reciprocated unto you. It, you don't get it back maybe the way that you're giving it. You understand? And if we're not careful, we're bad to think, if I give you this, then really I'm supposed to get something back in return a lot of time. We may not say it, but that's what we think. And we risk getting hurt. We open our hearts. We risk being uh, betrayed. And so what happens if I give and the other person doesn't give back? What happens if I take the first step and they don't meet me in the middle, so to speak? God took that risk when he sent Christ to die for the whole world. Do you understand that we live in a world that there's thousands and millions of people that does not send their love back to Christ like Christ showed to them? They don't do it like you and I do it. We love God. Caleb sang tonight almost every song about the love of God, how wonderful the love of God is. I'm working on a message just, consent, just entitled that, the love of God. The love of God. We say that, and it's so simple, and it's such a something that we all ought to know, but if we don't really understand what real, 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 real love is, we miss the whole point here. God took the risk that when Christ died for us, he took that risk, and refusing to love others is really actually the greater risk. C.S. Lewis wrote this. He said, love anything, and your heart will certainly be wrung and possibly broken. 
If you want to be sure of keeping it intact, you must give your heart to no one. Lock it up safe in a casket or a coffin of your selfishness. But in that casket, safe, dark, motionless, airless, it will change. It will not be broken, but it will become unbreakable. It will become unpenetrable and irredeemable. The only place outside of heaven where you can be safe from all dangers of love is hell. You think about that statement. That's a powerful, powerful statement. Trying to explain the love of God. So as we close tonight, let me ask you, are you and I, are we withholding our love from anybody? If we are, then why? Is it because of something they've done to us? I mean, those are legitimate things. Is it because we haven't captured this feeling that we've got in our own life or brought it under conviction and brought it under the grace and the authority and the love of Christ? God understands our pain. We know that. Jesus faced it when, he, when, when his love for Jesus, Judas ended in his own arrest. You ever, you ever tried to really sit down and think, what did Jesus feel when Judas come up and kissed him on the cheek and betrayed Betrayed him with 30 pieces of silver. Here's a guy that's been walking and talking, watching the miracles of Christ, Christ pouring into him day after day, day after day. And Judas took his eyes off Christ and betrayed it. And he betrayed him with just a kiss on the cheek. That had to hurt. It had to hurt. It had to hurt. But, but Jesus loved him. And you've heard me say this before, and I still believe it. I believe with all of my heart, says Jeanette, if Judas would have went out and repented, the Lord would have forgave him. He, he, he would have done it. He would have done it. But even then, he didn't withhold his love for, from Judas, but he still called Judas a friend during the very act of betrayal. It's not, it's not just Judas who's taken advantage of God's love. We do, we do at times. Whenever we indulge in sinful nature, Yet God simply does not remove his love from us. And aren't you thankful for that? When I mess up, he still loves me. When I blow it, he still loves me. Brian, when I've just, when I've just I mean royally, blew it, God still loves me. People may not because I've messed up and hurt feelings and all these things, but God, God loves me. And, and because of grace and because of mercy, I can go back if I really want to, get forgiveness repentance, and try to get these things taken care of. He continues to forgive, and he calls us to keep doing the same. God doesn't just call us to show love. He produces that love in us through the work of the Holy Spirit. Martin Luther said this one time, just as a rock that is left out in the sun doesn't have to be commanded to become warm, so those who bask in the light of God's word don't have to be commanded to show warm love. We'll do this because when we're in the Word and believe what is written in the Word of God, then the Holy Spirit is in us and He will move upon us simply to love others. Amen. He'll move upon us. He'll move upon us to simply love others. So love, it's fruit. It's a fruit of the Spirit. It's a fruit of the Spirit that never runs out of season. Never runs out of seeing. And even, even when we discipline one another, we do so out of love simply because we care about what sin is doing to that relationship. We care about that sin. 
There may be times I get up on Sunday mornings and I preach or Wednesday night and I say things that really offend you and hurt your feelings because I'm confronting the sin in your life. But it doesn't mean that I hate you. It means I love you and I care about you and I want you to make sure that heaven is your home and Jesus is your Lord and Savior. Amen? Amen. That's, that's what we've, he's called us to do. And so, love. The, first, the very first thing concerning the fruit of the Spirit, the Lord tells us we need to love. We need to love. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we love you so much tonight. We're so thankful for your many blessings. We're so thankful for your touch upon our life tonight. God, help us tonight in this house. Help us, O oh Lord, to love one another. Help us that our love for you will grow day by day. Every day, God, help us to grow in you and grow in our love for you. Help us to grow in our love for one another. Help us, Lord, to follow what, what, the, what Paul was trying to teach the Galatians church here, that we are free. We have the liberty. We're not bound by the law anymore, God. But, Lord, just because of that, it doesn't give us a license to go and do whatever. Help us to continue to love it, you. And we'll give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen.